I'm Paula Hollywood, Senior Analyst, and this Digital Transformation Viewpoints podcast is brought to you by ARC Advisory Group. In each episode, we'll ask the big questions of how the world is adopting emerging technologies and practices for sustainable manufacturing. Today, we're speaking with APN industry veteran, Joe Nichols, in his new role as co-founder and president of newly launched IDIS Digital. Thank you for joining me, Joe, and congratulations on the launch. Thanks, Paula. Glad to be here. Great. So let's dive right in here. You and the IDIS team have a long history in the APM space. Can you tell us what motivated you to start a new APM company at this stage of market maturity? Oh, Paula, this, this is a great question. So uh, our motivators um, for building an APM solutions company were, were really multifaceted. Um, Paula, as you know, we, we've got a large scale challenge out there. You know, how do you optimize the productivity of industrial assets without increasing the operating costs um, or the risks to people in the environment. So, so that was a really just big motivator for us out there. It's a huge challenge. And, you know, secondly, um, you know, asset performance management or, or APM approaches do now have a proven value proposition. People now really understand that you can lower maintenance costs, you can increase production and availability, and you can lower risk. Uh, through these approaches, so 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 we knew we could solve problems and, and and really add some some value to to the market here. And then when when we looked at the APM market from our perspective, uh, it, it's we, what we say it's it's big enough to matter. It's it's a multi billion dollar market. It, it continues to grow at a, at a really good clip, and and we fundamentally believe that there are large aspects of the market that that are still unaddressed. We believe that a new approach and a new business model could could fundamentally shift adoption of, of APM and saw a, a great opportunity to carve out our space in it. And, and finally, the, the IDIS team is just absolutely passionate about building innovative solutions, which ensure success for uh, industrial companies. Uh, we've got an unbelievable team. We've done this for a while, and, and we really enjoy solving complex problems. So, you know, looking at the problem, looking at the market, looking at where we thought we could fit, we're, we're just all of the big motivators that that um, formed into uh, the birth of IDIS Digital. Okay, uh, interesting. Uh, the team has built the IDIS product from the ground up in just the last year. What has enabled you to do that so quickly, and what has that experience been like for you? Well, the, the well, first, the experience has been great. We we love building software, and and technically speaking, for the for the IDIS team, this is really the fifth APM product we built, and a lot has changed since we built the first one back in the '90s. One of the big changes is just the the ability to take advantage of underlying um, computing technologies and architectural models, which allowed to build an efficient and scalable application that could run in the cloud or on-premise, because both of those requirements are core for, for customers in the industrial space, on one code base. And that really helped us open up some unique business models that ensure customers can easily deploy applications and we could lower their application total cost of ownership. And, and one of the things we saw a lot of is a lot of customers that are, are choosing cloud deployment models have already made really big commitments to infrastructure providers like Azure and AWS and Google. And, and one of the things they really 
want to do is not necessarily replicate the cost of that infrastructure. They want a solution provider like us that can uh, leverage those existing cloud investments um, for things like time series storage and analytical compute, et cetera. So the, the architectural model and the computing models are, are fundamentally different, and they've allowed us to gain um, some very good advantages in terms of developing an architecture that delivers value right out of the box. The, the other thing that's really changed in, in the last you know, five, 10 years is we've seen the great emergence of some standards that we could really anchor our data structures and integration models to. Uh, ISO 55000 has, has a great starting point in terms of process definition and data model definitions, ISA 95, uh, another one. And of course, then you've got uh, integration models like like the OPC UA integration model, uh, really standardized how people move data back and forth. And of course, a lot of solutions offer connectivity across those. Um, and, and to that point, one of the other things that really helped us in the last year is, is the our partners, folks like OSI and SAP and, and, and Maximo, they've really matured their partnering models and their integration models. So, you know, building an application, connecting it up to these core business systems that folks have already integrated or have already, excuse me, invested in, has really helped us build an application fairly rapidly that uh, can easily plug into existing business systems and and take advantage of that infrastructure as we bring our specific unique capabilities uh, to, to the customer. And you know, finally, um, you know, one of the other things that's been a fundamental shift is is the way people think about enterprise applications in the APM space is a lot different than it was 15 years ago. Uh, the market is is now much more open to best of breed solutions and approaches which integrate to these core business systems. And it seems everybody wants to start small nowadays, get early wins that demonstrate value, and then scale from there. You know, versus some of the more traditional views of taking really significant risk with big bang, multi-year projects and, and monolithic APM solutions. So there's been a convergence of a lot of things um, over the last 10, 15 years that's really enabled us to rapidly deploy an application at high focus that um, customers are now really uh, taking a hold of and, and moving forward with. Uh, I agree with you totally that the market has matured considerably and obviously software architectures have played a big role in that and uh, I think the experience of the IDIS team uh, would be a big asset in this instance. So I can understand why you saw this as an opportunity rather than a challenge. So speaking of challenges, what were the challenges that you saw in the APM market that you sought to address with the IDIS solution? Uh, Paul, a great question. I think, um, well, first, we did, you know, imagine going into a new business venture. We did some extensive research with industry experts, our former customers, and and, and folks that are actively executing APM programs and, and learned a lot from them. I mean, we learned a lot over the years, but going back to the market with a fresh perspective and asking questions really brought out a couple of things. And it's, it's clear that many folks are struggling with a couple of key areas uh, in, tech, in terms of technical implementation of solutions, functional adoption of APM processes, and being able to scale those out to create value. And there were, there were really three common themes that, that surfaced in almost every one of these conversations uh, that we had. Uh, I call them the three Cs, uh, cost, complexity, 
and capability. So, so let me explain those a little bit further. Um, a lot of people have um, incurred significant cost in trying to deploy APM applications. A lot of the uh, approaches and, uh, and, and philosophies are big bang projects with up, big upfront costs uh, for software licensing and implementation. And that's been a pretty big detractor um, either for starting a program or continuing a program. So that was a really big issue that a lot of folks are running into. Uh, the other thing is uh, complexity, the second C. So a lot of the current solution providers tend to be big monolithic applications that have been stitched together either via acquisitions. Um, and in some cases, they're using older, less efficient architectures. And that creates complexity in terms of installation, deployment, and use. So Complexity has been a really big, um, you know, piece of feedback that we've heard from folks that they, they want us to solve for. And, and then finally, the, the third C capability, um, you know, APM program managers have really struggled with some of the existing solutions as they tend to fit into two application categories right now. Uh, the ones I've been mentioning with big monolithic applications that tend to do everything that are very wide, but not very deep and require a lot of implementation and consulting services to get up and running. That's kind of one category. And then we see a kind of a newer uh, category of applications that are focused on more generic analytic artificial intelligence or machine learning applications that uh, are, are very useful, but they tend to solve for very specific equipment problems or tend to focus just on anomaly detection. And, and, and we see that um, folks that we talk to in the market are, are, are actually looking for things that are a little bit more uh, form fit, but that can scale out really rapid to, rapidly to a lot of equipment classes to, to maximize the value that they get from these systems. So these three C's, cost, complexity and capability were really the core to our application design um, and, and making sure we address those as we built the solution uh, for the market. Yeah, I have to say that these findings are consistent with what ARC has heard from its client base. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I firmly believe that uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning can have a major impact here, but they aren't the be-all to end-all. They have their place, but APM basics still apply. We, so, we agree, Paula. Sorry, just to interrupt. We agree completely, and I think um, you know AI and ML definitely has its place. We actually are leveraging it in a couple of different areas, but there's a much broader view that needs to be looked at in terms of how you manage the performance of assets that can also include just good old empirical engineering models and calculations that people know and love and already use today. So, so we agree completely with that view, Paula. Yep. So what influence do these uh, discoveries have in developing the IDA solution? Yeah. So first, the, the learnings and in, in the discoveries uh, really became core to our company vision and mission. So our, our core motivation is to make APM easy enough to ensure the activation of an asset strategy or asset twin against every risky industrial asset. And we're on a mission to, to make that happen. So, so to, to solve for the cost concerns, one of the things we decided was really important was to offer a subscription licensing model that is based upon actual usage of the system and drive an onboarding process which completely de-risks a customer for massive upfront investments. So from our perspective, our customers can utilize our product uh, on 10 assets in an organization, or they can use it on a million assets. 
we provide an approach which allows the customer to control their spend and investment so that they can completely align it to the value that APM can deliver to them. We just we don't see a, a need to suggest that every customer has to do APM on every asset. Uh, we believe that uh, you've got to be very, very flexible in your licensing model and in, in, in the model deployment model so that customers can choose the right fit for them. To lower the complexity that customers are seeing out there, we've been able to define a very efficient architecture, which allows for technical deployment on-prem or in-cloud literally in minutes. Um, so we've we've effectively taken the, tech, the technical deployment complexity off the table um, and, and think that that's uh, been a huge barrier in the past um, and, and allow customers to really focus on functional deployment. And so from a from a functional perspective, we've really simplified the process, the APM process, with a highly intuitive user experience and workflow. Our view is that equipment and domain experts should be able to easily navigate the APM process and easily measure APM program implementation uh, just through a couple of clicks inside of the application. So this this approach not only enhances adoption by the users, the, the ones that really matter, but lowers the training requirements and costs compared to you know, big traditional applications. And then from a, from a capability perspective, back to the three C's, we, we offer a solution that's really out of the box ready and can offer rapid time to value. And we've done that through a couple of really different mechanisms. Um, first, we've um, fully integrated the process of implementing an asset strategy and ensuring that that asset strategy is very tightly coupled with analytical models that can identify risk when they emerge. And so we're really about fusing the idea of managing asset strategies, analytics, and managing asset health. And, and, and that's a key kind of core component of our, of our application. And one of the ways we drive that into a you know, rapid, rapidly deployable application is at the base of all these capabilities is an embedded and extensible asset strategy library, which covers almost 200 of the most common equipment types. So we've tightly coupled a, a very powerful strategy library with an application process to allow our customers to get strategies in place very quickly and get up and running very rapidly. So we see the creation of various scenarios like condition-based maintenance use cases occurring just in a couple of hours, which is fundamentally different than what uh, we've seen in the past. And then, you know, one of the other things that we do to, to really get customers up and running really, really quickly and from a capability perspective is we can actually um, apply our strategy library models against a customer's actual piece of equipment very quickly. And we can historically simulate against their, uh, their legacy data. So they'll say the, the last couple of years of data on a given asset. And we can tell them exactly what IDIS would have found had our models been deployed over the last couple of years. So we can do all this at, at scale and, and very rapidly. And that coupling of the library with the application and the technical efficiencies that we talked about before have really provided um, a lot of core capabilities that we see are different than what um, has been traditionally available out there. Well, that sounds pretty attractive. Uh, I have to say that uh, I think some of the things that we've learned is that even though customers uh, are 
being more judicious about their investments, they are willing to invest in solutions that provide quick ROI, that aren't monolithic, that enables them to move rapidly. And I also see this as something that's not just applicable to tier one manufacturers, but how this is uh, really available and applicable to um, small and medium-sized businesses too that would like to get a better handle on their APM strategies. Joe, does this uh, does using this methodology allow you to approach the APM market differently? And who do you see as your target? Yeah, so so when I talk with folks about how we've approached our solution um, in in the conversation we just had, they, they they usually quickly ask me if we're targeting less mature aspects of the APM market as compared to some of the other providers and. My answer there is is, is not necessarily. Um, we've made APM easier across the board, but that does not mean it cannot be used in, in highly sophisticated environments. Uh, having said that, there are huge aspects of the industrial space that have challenges, uh, core challenges with unplanned failures, high maintenance costs, and inability to identify emerging risks. Uh, the, the, the challenges these companies have is, is APM may only apply to a small portion of their assets, or, or maybe they have limited IT uh, resources, or maybe they have limited capabilities to invoke big change management, or maybe their particular ROI on an APM initiative does not align with existing costs. So, so they just don't do it. So our target market is really anyone looking to solve for or APM use cases, such as failure prediction, condition-based maintenance, operational risk identification, um, in an intuitive scalable model that can be matched to their, what I call their APM investment capability. So to, to your original question, we've been working across the spectrum of APM maturity, and a couple of examples include you know, folks like water authorities looking to manage just a handful of critical pumps that they think um, you know, can really help improve their business. Um, we're working with, um, you know, midstream oil and gas uh, companies where they're, they're looking to optimize compressor efficiency, but don't necessarily have a lot of other challenges that they're, they're looking to, to solve for. Um, we're working with um, some OEM and maintenance service providers that, you know, they're looking to optimize the productivity of their field service technicians as they, as they go out and do repairs, but they're also looking to see how they, they can improve uh, their offerings through their parts and service agreements. And of course, um, you know, we're also working with some very large enterprises that aren't satisfied with their with their current APM solution provider. So it's it's really kind of a, a, a broad group of uh, people that we see as our target market that is, is either looking for something that um, scales to their particular um, or, or is, is much easier to deploy than, than some of the other things that are out there. So it's, a, it's quite a, a different market for us, but we, we see a, a lot of uh, green pastures, if, if you will. And, and we believe what we've been able to do is unlock the ability to, to right-size an APM solution with a customer's specific scope and needs, regardless of how many assets they have, the complexity of the assets, the maturity of their APM program or the size of their budget. So we, we think we've really been able to unlock a, a really interesting part of the market. Okay. Um, digital twins are all the rage, but earlier you mentioned the concept of an asset twin. How do you describe that as it relates to a digital twin? 
Oh, wow. That's a, that's a big question, Paula. And that's due to the variability and how people define digital twins or how a particular person views what a digital, digital twin is. So simply put, we, we believe the core constructs of a digital twin are critical for driving APM value. So, so we see a, an asset twin as a software defined asset, a virtual asset, connected and analyzed in real time, which can generate proactive insights as emerging threats are detected. However, we also fundamentally believe that APM use cases like seed condition-based maintenance and failure prediction have to be firmly grounded with an asset strategy. You need to know where the risk is. You need to know how something potentially could fail. You need to analytically model an ability to identify potential problems, and you need to be able to prescribe uh, insights or corrective actions to actually prevent failure. So an asset twin, in our view, is the fusion of the asset strategy with these digital twin constructs. And you must have both elements to ensure you optimize the performance of the assets. And we're we're maniacally focused in this area with our customers. How do you bring together the, the best of the concepts of asset strategies with digital twins into a very tightly coupled application and solution um, that, that could solve you know, real big problems? Yeah, I, I think the uh, user community has to uh, come to grips with their, so there's more than one type of digital twin, if you will, uh, and they're very useful vis- visual tools. So uh, I think that one can tie this that can tie the strategy right through to the actions uh, would be very helpful. So, um, Joe, what advice would you give listeners as you think about implementing an APM program? Yeah, great, great question. So, uh, you know, first, we think uh, it's really important for people to start simple, start small and and implement based upon their specific needs and and really do that based upon the criticality and the risk of the assets um, do that based upon the the where the opportunity lies from a from a business perspective so you know where are your bad actors um, what are the critical equipment what what is the asset class where uh, maybe you haven't been able to optimize your maintenance program so so start you know target and start simple and grow the program a, as needed. And so what, what we really preach to people is start with a handful of assets, learn from those results, and then grow the asset strategy and twin footprint from there. Um, and, and, you know, one of the other pieces with, with starting simple is, you know, while we can help customers go through the process of doing upfront risk assessments to identify which assets are, are the most risky, there, there's also an ability to just in, in some customers, like some of these smaller ones that we've been working with, they already know the five to 10 assets that are a real problem for them. They, they don't need to go through a big risk assessment process. They know it's these 10 assets. They know if they monitor these potential variables in certain ways that they can get value from that. So we think start small and, and don't necessarily think you have to start by doing a risk assessment on every asset to figure out where, where you need to start. I think the the other piece is we would we would just tell people don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, as mentioned before, there's some great industry content out there, and there's some great industry standards that have emerged 
that really help prescribe data models, data structures, workflows, things along those lines. So, so the beauty of coming into the APM space now as an industrial is you can leverage what you know hundreds of other uh, very mature customers have been able to learn and, and, and apply that. So, so don't reinvent it. There's, there's great opportunities out there to leverage content, to, to leverage standards, uh, et cetera. And, you know, I guess finally, um, just be very careful about investment in software. You know, we, we provide a technology and we provide a capability, uh, but technology is just one aspect of a, of a successful uh, APM program. So, so don't focus on technology, focus on, you know, people, process and technologies. That's key to success. And, you know, don't necessarily get pulled into the idea of, uh, of what we would call a science project, right? Just trying to go out, uh, grab a bunch of data, run it through some algorithms um, and see what happens. We, we think you start from a, a sound basis with APM principles and that'll get you to value uh, much, much quicker. Um, so, you know, a couple things, start simple, uh, grow as you get value, don't reinvent the wheel and be very careful about uh, getting caught up with technology for technology's sake. Uh, well put, Joe. I'll just add that don't forget the basic principles of asset management. They can't be overlooked in a successful APM program. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you to my guest, Joe Nichols of IDIS Digital. For more information and insights on this topic or to learn best practices to accelerate transformation, please visit the ARC Advisory Group website at www.arcweb.com. Please do subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave a review. In the meantime, from Paula Hollywood, thank you for listening and goodbye. 